Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, looking for my good buddy Seth Robinson. Seth. Hey, how you doing? You keeping cool? It's better today. Thank you for asking. It's yeah. Uh, I think. Well, I mean, it's hard for me to to complain too much because the rest of the country is far worse, at least south south of here and out west. But yeah, it's been a bit of a um, tropical rainforest type weather around here today. It's much nicer. Um, low 80s and dry and sunny, like a nice summer day as opposed to a sweltering summer day. So surviving. Um, we've got Channel Con coming up, though, like in less than two weeks in Las Vegas. So that will be a, uh, I think, a test of, of endurance on the heat meter for sure. Right, you'll just you'll stay inside the whole time. You know, I was sure. I was talking to someone this week from Houston and we were doing a Zoom call and she was inside her house and uh talking about the heat and it just gave me the impression that she's like sequestered, you know, in her house. Yeah. No, my, my sister lives in San Antonio and um, yeah, that's, that's basically it. Uh, they don't leave. So in a sense, they're not really subjected to it. I mean, other than the fact that they have to stay indoors, but they're not sweltering, but you know, you imagine people who work outside in those areas, you know, construction workers, anyone who does stuff like that, homeless people, you know, not to mention, you know, just, just, horrible a uh, really bad situation um so uh i you know i won't give my uh, rant on climate change here that's it you probably know right from saying that how i feel about it um but yeah the country the the weather is wacky wacky yeah, yeah it's it's not not good yeah i mean we we have it pretty good too we haven't had it bad at all except we are still getting haze from the wildfires um yeah which... that affected us too not as bad this second go around that's been um, happening, I think you're getting more affected by that. But yeah. first one, a few, a little ways back when, you know, we were clouded in orange, whatever that was <laughs> for a while. Um, yeah. Pretty weird and eerie. Yeah. But here we are surviving day to day. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I guess enough about the weather. Um, we'll yeah. get, to the, get to the topic of the day, which you had suggested you found a wall street journal article on this topic and you sent it over to me and, we kind of tossed it back and forth a little bit. It's about outcome-based pricing and the notion that companies, when they're working with their technology vendors or technology providers, they're starting to think more about the outcome of that technology rather than just paying for the service itself. And so I think that's pretty interesting. I think we want to dive into it yeah. uh, as, as a way of kind of leading up to it. Maybe you could start by just talking about some of the pricing models that have been, you know, in the market up to this point, what the, the traditional pricing has looked like. Yeah, this one grabbed my eye because um, on paper, it sounds um, really almost like a panacea. It's sort of an, a cool thing. It's like, all right, let's price based on how we perform or how we let our, help our customers perform, which sounds kind of like a really nice model for how things should work as opposed to just slapping a price and arbitrary number on something. Um, so grab my attention, started reading a little more. I'm like, is this happening in the tech services area? And, you know, it's a concept that has been around for a while. So we're not here to, to suggest that this is something completely new and coming out of the blue, but it's one that has not caught on, uh, in any widespread way, but it's being talked about now more so, I think, because we have moved from a technology delivery standpoint to so much of technology being as a service now, as opposed to just the, the, a flat out sale, like a sale of hardware, for instance. Um, so to give a little background, like you said, on what kind of pricing models are the norm these days, 
you know, if you are a client of a managed services provider or any other tech services provider, you typically may be familiar with um, being charged um, either a monthly flat fee for, for your technology services. So you're getting, it's, it's recurring, it's the same. Um, more commonly um, is the pricing per user or um, which would be so, so how many seats um, are in your organization and you're going to have a price on on that and that is a fairly static number unless you're doing a lot of hiring or letting letting people go you know if you're if your organization is changing its composition in terms of the workforce then your pricing is going to change but if you're pretty stable there then your pricing is going to be relatively stable and then per usage is, is the other way that's very common um, and and that does work uh, very well for an as a service type um, delivery model and so you're only paying for what you are using. There are some issues with that as well, though, because um, obviously there are spikes in usage during different parts of the year that customers presumably would plan for, but don't always. You know, I think of, I always use the example of the retail industry. They're obviously their usage for their e-commerce sites and other technology that drives sales during the holiday season are going to go way up compared to what they might be doing in uh, name a slow month. I don't even know what slow months are for retail these days. I'm, I'm going to say April. I'm throwing that out there. Um, but, and, and typically you think, you know, a smart retailer will plan for that. They know that their tech bill is going to be higher that month. Um, but then there are other unforeseen situations where there might have be a, a cybersecurity event that happens to a company um, that's going to require a lot of tech mitigation uh, and service during that particular time. And unless a customer planned for that, the bill they're going to get that month is going to be astronomical and that causes problems. So everyone's always looking for a better way to buy and a better way to price what they're going to sell. Um, and here we are at outcome-based pricing, which is essentially... Yeah. You know, well, I'll let you weigh in here and you can maybe define that if you want to, or we can talk about it in any way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, when I'm thinking about what's led us to this point, you know, everything that you described has been kind of the traditional way of doing things. Uh, and then we had cloud models come in and as a service models, you know, get layered on top of that. Uh, people were moving from capital expenditures to operational expenditures. Yep. Um, and, and so what have been the drivers that led to this moment? I, you know, ultimately, the driver is that people are paying more than they than they really want to. But mm -hmm. I, I think that kind of breaks down into two different things. You know, one is this shift to strategic IT that we've talked about a lot. I've written about it a lot. Yeah. That moves the the mindset from IT and technology from kind of a cost center model into one where you're doing more investment with the expectation that you're going to be building some kind of business results. Yeah. Uh, and, and so if you're doing that investment, that means that you're putting more into technology, which goes against the old mindset of trying to get the same level of technology for ever decreasing costs. So I think this notion of having to invest strategically in technology is one thing that's making the bills go up. And even if companies know, well, we're trying to invest for the future, we're trying to build something better that technology bill is going up and that's kind of against the historical culture or DNA or mindset that they've had in the past. Uh, and then secondly, kind of tied in with that, you kind of referred to it a little bit is with cloud models, so many companies went to that with this belief that even at a tactical level, they could be reducing their costs somewhat by shifting it from CapEx to OpEx. And I think that they found that that wasn't the case, especially if they weren't really managing that usage and those costs really tightly, uh, because obviously the cloud provider is looking to make money on this too. You know, they're not just trying to 
give someone a deal. And, and so there is this notion of not necessarily paying for unused capacity, but uh, those rates that are in there, if you're not, especially if you're not keeping an eye on it, can, can really start to skyrocket. And so I think people have had sprawl in their cloud app provider or technology services provider or whoever it might be to say, you know, these are the business outcomes that we want. Mm -hmm. You know, let's partner together and I will sort of pay you based on whether I'm cutting my costs or meeting my objectives or whatever it is. Yeah. And I think on paper, that sounds interesting. But I think as we unpack it here, we're, we're, you know, we'll, we'll talk through several of the reasons that it's probably a little bit more complicated than, than people might want it to be. Yep. Uh, everything you said, I agree with. And, um, and it's true. This sounds fantastic on paper. Um, it uh, presupposes a few things. You have some sort of close relationship with your technology provider, because if you're going to be basing the, the, the pay model, compensation model on outcomes for the customer business, the tech provider A needs to really understand that customer business, which means you've given access in some way to that customer business and you're negotiating and collaborating um, back and forth on what's important to that business as a way to kind of you know level set what you're going to be charging for and what you're going to be measured on. Um, measures, metrics and measurements can be squishy. So that's the other, I think, big challenge in doing an outcomes-based um, model. Um, it's one thing if you say our outcome is something very strictly statistical or, you know, financial, meaning if we hit 20% revenue increase in with this marketing campaign that your technology is helping to fuel with X application and X amount of, um, of compute power, whatever it happens to be, if you, if we meet 20% revenue gain, then we pay you X percent. That's that's measurable. That's something that you can measure. But if the outcome is something a little more ephemeral, a little more squishy um, around the edges, um, that's harder to say. And it can then become something that's contentious. Like, And so I, I, I see this as something that's really going to be ironclad and written out contractually ahead of time with the provider, what the outcome is and, and how you strictly are going to measure it. And the other thing is who's going to measure it. Is it the provider that's measuring it? Is it the end user who's measuring it? Is it, is it a combination of the two in order to be able to, at the end of the day, be in agreement on how much money is going to change hands, how much is owed? Um, that's a really difficult and I think a, a minefield really to negotiate. And I don't know that every, I mean, maybe some of the bigger companies out there have a, will be able to do this, or maybe it's the smaller companies that are able to do this better. Now that I think about it a little bit more, maybe it's an SMB and a smaller provider that can, can sit down and kind of hash out these terms because it's less complicated. Their environments are less complex. The business outcomes they're looking for might be smaller in scale. Hard to say, but I see that as the biggest challenge of doing anything based on this model. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think that's the first thing that jumps to mind for me, too, is what is the outcome? And actually, you know, what you described, the outcome itself could be relatively easy to define. But I think the part that's really difficult to define is what part does the technology play in that outcome? What is that equation? I, I think that's the struggle that so many companies have been having as they've been moving to a more strategic mindset, even just internally trying to define, you know, what's the ROI on, on this or, or how do we make sure that the money that we're putting in is coming out in some way? In, in a lot of cases, we're finding that it doesn't look like a traditional ROI calculation, no. but I, I don't think we've got a lot of great examples of 
you know, one-to-one tight correlation between, okay, if we put this much into the technology, this is what happens. And I think to your point, trying to put that into some kind of contractual agreement with the technology provider is really complicated, especially because so much of it relies on the end user to define what what do I mean by my outcome? And I, I just don't think a lot of them have that nailed. The, the one example that the article gave was a cost-cutting example, which you know, I, I think is interesting. And I, I think that's a little bit more easy to quantify. But I think that also has kind of limited application. You know, how, how long can you continue cost cutting? Uh, and so how long does that model really apply for? You know, is it, is it a one-time thing? It, it doesn't seem like it would apply as much to an ongoing subscription. You're not just going to keep cutting costs and keep cutting costs and keep cutting costs and have the provider being able to get paid based off of that. So, you know, I think that's a little bit more of a tactical way of looking at things. I think it's more limited. And then I think the strategic way of looking at things just holds a, a lot of complications that uh, aren't going to be really easy to put into an agreement between an end user and their technology provider. Yeah, there's a lot of human factor. If you think about it, the um, the non-tech industry example that comes to mind for me is um, healthcare. Um, imagine you uh, you paid your doctor based on outcomes only. You know, that wouldn't work. It never would work. You know, your doctor could do everything right. Say, this is the medication you're supposed to take. You need to exercise X number of days doing this. Uh, you've got to eat this kind of diet and do all of this. Um, and if you fail at that and therefore get sick, um, does the doctor pay for that? Is that their problem or was it really your problem? He gave you the tools, but you didn't use them. So I think you can you can apply that very simple example to um, to how complicated technology and um, accountability would be on who's accountable for what, making this difficult. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's probably the best way I can kind of, uh, best analogy that I can use. Yeah. I mean, the, the other thought that I had that takes it maybe a step more towards technology or business is consulting, right? I, yeah. I, I think a lot of companies would love to pay consultants based on the outcomes uh, but we've had a lot of consulting practices around for a long time now, and I don't think there's very much of a shift there towards outcome-based pricing for exactly the reasons that you're describing, right? A consultant can come in and say, okay, here are best practices, here's what I'd advise, whatever. But unless they're like plugged in and responsible and given kind of the, the authority and the oversight to make the changes, and then they're accountable, that they can only take that so far, right? And, and so trying to pin their pay to an outcome that relies on the customer having the right behavior or, or adopting the right mindset or making some of the difficult decisions, I, I just don't think it's, it's, it's very feasible, right? And so you look at those yeah. two examples, you know, the one that you gave in healthcare, the one that I described in consulting, um, I'm sure that there's a strong desire among end users to move those to outcome-based pricing, but that desire isn't enough to shift the pricing model. Yeah, I think that the way we can look at this, that may be um, uh, a positive, you know, a, a reason to go to uh, outcome-based pricing is in a more tactical sense. Um, you know, it can't be the way that you price all of your technology um, services that you that you um, that you take in, in in for your entire organization, but something more on a tactical basis, um, a one-off type of project, um, because I, I do think that um, business outcome pricing might work or it might be a good way to do something like, you know, a pilot project or testing out a new technology. So say you're a customer that wants to 
um, you test out some new emerging technology, but you're not so sure that it's going to be something you want to roll out to the organization. You're not sure it's going to work at all. It's not going to bring you the results that you want. Maybe it's some sort of new data solution or AI solution that's going to hopefully bring some cost cutting or give you bigger insights into some aspect of your business, which is then going to save you money or make you money. Um, but it's very defined and finite. Um, you could perhaps contract with your provider or, or a separate provider to just do a test case on that. And if there's a certain outcome that you were going to say, all right, well, we think that we can hit this target trying out this new technology. You hit it, you pay for it. If you don't hit it, you pay a percentage of what you did hit and didn't hit. You know, maybe in those kind of cases, um, it's a nice way to, it's a less risky, less costly uh, for both sides way to try something out. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, either way you slice it, what we're kind of getting at here is the the importance of being able to change the discussions you're having with your clients, right? Or change the discussion yeah. if you're an end user, change the discussion that you're having with your providers, right? And kind of getting into this really hard to define equation of how does the technology help drive the business outcome? You know, and is, is that something that we can solve together, even if it's not completely tied to the pricing, is that an activity that we can work on together? Uh, what does that look like? You know, what what types of variables go into that equation? Uh, I, I think for a lot of end users, uh, they've got a lot of work to do to try to you know get themselves to a point where they're a, a solid party at the table having that conversation. Uh, and it's probably about the same on you know the MSP side or the technology yeah. provider side that they've got a lot of work to do too to kind of understand how they could provide value in that, how they might price it, how they might treat it as a little bit of a loss leader just to build the relationship, you know, what, what they might do there. But I just think there's a ton of work to do to try to really start to dig into this question of how is technology used strategically and what does that look like before we would get to anything that you could put into a contract for pricing. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, this is part of the journey that a lot of MSPs are currently on. Um, they're trying to move from being an infrastructure provider um, that really is just keeping tabs on their customers' networks, their customers' devices, um, and you know basic updates to their software, um, keeping the engines running, but not doing anything that you would describe as strategic in a business sense. Um, more traditional type of IT, just done as a, as a service, you know, and remote monitoring and management. Um, for a lot of MSPs today, and you know, I'm going to be talking about this a lot at ChannelCon, who are really trying to evolve their business models in some way, turn the crank up a little bit to be a little bit more sophisticated, a little more high end, um, be able to charge more for some of these services. Those are going to become more consultative. And with that requires a bigger understanding of their customers' businesses, which is to your point. Uh, both both sides of the equation are not really quite there yet. One on how to explain what their business is about and what they're looking for. And then on the MSP side, really knowing how to achieve those sort of results for their customers. Um, but as they try to march toward this um, higher up the food chain way of doing managed services, that would mean adding more business applications to their line card and, and the, what they offer in their portfolio. Um, and being able to work collaboratively with maybe an internal IT department or a small customer that doesn't have one at all and trying to figure out what their business outcomes are. Um, that is a mindset shift and a skill shift for a lot of MSPs. And I think a lot of them are in the middle of that right now. So, you know, maybe we are putting the cart before the horse in terms of saying, and then you should do, you know, outcome-based pricing. That maybe is 
um, you know, a result of that journey that they're on right now and trying to become more collaborative, more consulting oriented and more about business solutions and less about just rank, you know, just rote technology that they're providing. So I think yeah. maybe we're just, we're like on the journey right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the last thing that's on my mind on this topic is this notion of customer experience that we've talked about and the fact that it's definitely more important these days. And, and I think the focus on customer experience you know, probably enables customers to begin thinking, oh, I, I can just get outcome-based pricing. I can get pricing based on the outcome that I want. Uh, and, and when we talk about customer experience being more of a focus item, that can make, I think, MSPs or technology providers kind of think, oh, oh here, here's a way that I can provide this, right? And, and I think to your point, it's not so cut and dry. It, it's not so simple as to say, oh, if you want to improve customer experience, you should move to outcome-based pricing. And, you know, here's it through an, a one hour long session on how to do that. And then you can yeah. come out the other end fully equipped. I, I don't think it's going to be like that. And I think customer experience only goes so far that, you know, yes, the customers may want this, but yeah. is that a reasonable request to make? Is that something that they can kind of do the work on their end to make this relationship or the, this pricing agreement happen? So I, I think that you're exactly right, that all of this is you know, kind of on a journey or, or a spectrum of learning, you know, that, that MSPs and end users both have to recognize what the challenges are if they want to get to this state and try to meet each other in the middle and be collaborating on addressing those challenges and moving closer and closer to something that both people want. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a, a good place to land here. And um, honestly, I'm jotting this one down as a uh, in the hallways topic for ChannelCon, um, maybe just to, to, to to just um, you know, check check the pulse of some of the people there and see if this is even on their radar screen. But I think more importantly, and to bigger discussions that we'll have down the road beyond the pricing angle, is you know how collaborative are tech providers becoming with their customers, and is that problematic? Is that is that difficult? Um, is it worthwhile? And what are some of the impacts that the you know that they're going to see because of that? I mean, you mentioned customer experience, which of course is huge. Um, but if we go to outcome-based pricing, I fear that providers are going to get so the techs, you know, the MSPs and other tech services providers are going to get so bogged down in trying to meet that outcome goal that they could screw up customer experience, which seems a little ironic, but in a way, you know, instead of focusing on that, you know, no friction and making things easy for the customer and all of that, the attention then gets instead diverted over to whatever that outcome is that they've all agreed on is the end goal. And, um, and, you know, one may not be able to exist without the other or me. So I think, it, I think, again, we're not going to solve the problem here. Um, but I think that that's something to think about too. Outcome-based pricing may actually make customer experience more difficult in the yeah. end. Yeah, definitely something to uh, keep on the back burner and, and come back to later. So we'll have to for keep sure. thinking about it. Yeah. Anyway, good chat. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for pointing that article out. Uh, and thanks, as always, to our producer, Andrew McMillan. And Carolyn, I will see you on the next episode of Ollie. Absolutely. Absolutely.